0: Quantum biology is a way we can use the rules of quantum physics to guide biology in the workings of the human body. One of the profound phenomena that is looked at is photosynthesis. You may be familiar with red light therapy, grounding and cold therapy, but this episode dives deep into understanding the quantum biology behind these practices and looks at specific ways to use these tools for each individual. In today's episode, the three key questions we will strive to answer are 1. How do you use red light therapy at home? 2. Is cold therapy the right therapy for you and your sleep? 3. What are the ways we can be grounding every day to improve sleep? Quantum biology is a vast and fascinating field which allows us to truly understand the science behind many ancient customs, many of which we might have let go of as old tales of our grandmother. Carrie B. has focused her work on educating the world on quantum biology Her B.S. in Biology, M.S. in Nutrition and being the faculty member of the Quantum Biology Collective makes her the perfect guest for this episode. If you missed part 1 of this conversation, go to the previous episode and take a listen. Now let's get started. (music) Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine Practitioner, author in New Guinea and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer Podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. You did mention the red light therapy. I'd like us to speak a little bit more about that in terms of uh, where can people access such tools? Can they have access to it in their own home? What are good
1: resources for that? Yeah, so red light therapy panels these days are becoming very, very popular and more accessible. Um, mine in particular, I've got one from Midwest Red Light Therapy, and I've got another one from BioLite. They're they're two respected companies. EMR Tech is another one. Um, so I think that's the neatest part, right? Is that you're you're not looking. At an insane investment for something where it's almost like you're supplementing missing light. Because I don't think people even realize that windows block a lot of the infrared and the red light from our indoor environment. So even if we're inside, with all the lights off, trying to not, you know, mess our circadian rhythm up with screens and things like that, we're still not getting those beneficial frequencies. So I viewed this as a a, a way to supplement light inside and as also, I would say, a quote unquote, safe source of light that doesn't mess with my circadian rhythm, whether I'm doing something early in the morning or into the evening.
0: Are we looking at any time duration, Carrie, for when we use this? How long do you use
1: this? that, I mean, obviously there's context in terms of a case by case basis. Uh, Some people who are looking to heal some pretty traumatic things perhaps have to use it longer and at a closer position. Um, But what I typically do just for maintenance, I, I like it. So, you know, being, being a mom, you know, I've, I've, I've got the wrinkles coming on, but, and so I do try to do some skin rejuvenation as part of it. And so, you know, for the skin rejuvenation, it's like 10 minutes with it about oh, you know, a meter or so away from me. And then what is also great that I research is that it helps to diversify our gut bacteria. So I'll do it on my abdomen as well. Um, I do tend to get enough infrared exposure in other ways. I have an infrared sauna and I like to to move. I like to be out in the sunlight. Um, And so that's how I use it. I use it probably four times a week like that lovely Carrie.
0: I'd like us to talk a little bit about cold therapy. Mm. Uh, There's so much about that. And I know that uh, in Ayurveda, there is um, Uh, an aspect which is counter to that because, you know, a lot of sleep issues are said to be caused by aggravation of vata, which is nervous system dysfunction. And usually it is said people who have those kind of challenges should warm themselves, should warm their body. However, I found great benefit from soaking in a cold tub for about 10 minutes. I think the benefits are profound. So break that down for us in terms of can we just do it at home? Because I do see a lot of renowned practitioners and there's these fancy devices which make eyes. Do we need things like that? Can we set it up at home? Because that's not always accessible to everybody. And I'd really like people to do things which they can set up tomorrow
1: and make a difference. Yes, I mean, I I think I think there's maybe convenience for some people in having the fancy way of doing it, but I, I love cold therapy as well. And I don't do anything but either fill up my tub or, or I have like a little, it's called a horse trough, right? You know, you go to the farm store and I got like a, it's like a horse trough that I just fill with hose water um, when it's <laughs> when it's spring and summer. So I, I the, the coolest thing about cold therapy is It just has to be colder than your body temperature, and you you so so. There's people who are like you know. I I think it gets a lot of views and stuff when someone is chop, chopping at ice, and then they you know are it's they're naked in 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 very very cold weather, and they're you know going under the ice. And it doesn't have to be like that. What happens is your surface temperature, your skin just has to feel cold. When your skin feels cold, your mitochondria actually make more infrared heat. So again, could the benefits of cold therapy be building up this water battery inside of us? And so, uh, I'll, I'll talk about how I do it at home, but also the the fact that you're finding profound benefits in terms of like sleep and other, other things it's, it's, uh, unexpected that cold therapy actually turns on the parasympathetic nervous system, our our resting nervous system. And so anyone who's ever done cold therapy, it's like the first 30 seconds. It's like, what, what am I doing like this? (laughs) But then after about 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds, it's like this profound peace, profound calm. Um, And so, and so I, I think for it to be accessible for people, the way that I started Deepa was I literally started in this horse trough in my backyard with full clothing on. (laughs) Um, and I had the hose, the garden hose just slowly filling the water up. I couldn't even plunge in like the idea of going into a full tub just wouldn't work for me. So I would just have that water slowly rise up. And as I sat there and as the water slowly rose up, it was very peaceful, very calming. And so, you know, you get to the point where the water's high enough you're in there for maybe 10 or 15 minutes, like you said, and that it's great. Right. And that's all that was needed. And that's, I mean, now I can take the plunge, so to speak in in an easier way. I can fill it up and just go in, but for those starting, start in your bathtub and don't necessarily have to make the water freezing, just make it colder than your body until your body senses. Yes. I am colder. And I would have to start to do things to warm up. And that's all the effect that you need to start to feel the difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I can't think of sitting in that tub and filling the water slowly. Carrie, I could <laughs> never do that. I can only take the plunge. I would fill it <laughs> right to the top and then I just. Close my eyes and just jump into that water. And the first, as you said, initially it's so uncomfortable. But then you know, as you sit there, ten minutes later, you there's this zen calmness, and everything feels so relaxed. And when you come out and you urinate, and your urine is like boiling water, and then something shifts within your body, and then you feel remarkable for so much, so many weeks after that. Um, Great, great uh, talk so far, but I'd love for us to speak about grounding, because I think grounding gets a lot of um, quackery or woo-woo behind it, and it is recommended um, a lot all over the world, you know, walking on grass, lying on the ground, but I'd like you to speak from the scientific perspective of what is it really
1: doing for us. I think it does profound things, but, um, you're right. Like this was something that I would have probably scoffed at a few years and not really started getting into quantum biology. Um, and so what I was never taught this, right. But apparently this is taught in other areas of the world, just not where I live, but the earth is, um, basically the earth's surface is always releasing electrons. And so in, from a physics standpoint, electrons flow from where there's a lot of them, the planet to where there's less uh, in something that can conduct them. And it just so happens that humans can conduct or pull electrons into our bodies. Um, Our collagen, our connective tissue is a conductor, but so is that special water. That special exclusion zone structured water also conducts electrons. So the, the benefit of earthing is this idea that if the human body runs on a negative charge, if every cell needs tons of electrons, Nature gave us so many sources of them that we're disconnected from these days. And so the it, the earth is another one. How many of us are barefoot on the earth for fre- frequent amounts of time? It's just, it just it's not something we do on a regular basis. Yeah. Maybe when I go to the beach, it'll feel good, but you know, even in our backyards playing around, it's like, we tend to wear shoes and that's not the way it was intended. That's not how our bodies were designed. Our bodies were designed to basically, again, recharge our batteries with bare feet on the earth, bare skin of any sort on the earth so that we can pull the electrons from a larger source, basically an infinite source into where we have, we have the need and our bodies will conduct them into us just to the amount that we need. The, the most obvious, obvious way to visualize this and to see the before and after difference is to look at red blood cells. Red blood cells need to be like their own free little boats, basically, because they're transporting so much stuff, right? They're transporting oxygen and nutrients just so happens. They're also transporting electrons. And what happens when, when the blood, when those blood cells aren't, electron rich, they start to stack up on each other. They start to look like a stack of pancakes, right? Like, or like a, like almost like a snake of red blood cells. And those are blood cells that are looking to coagulate and form clots and, and impair the flow of blood, impair nutrient delivery, impair oxygen delivery. And so all of a sudden, then when you take someone whose blood looks like that, it's called Rouleau formation and you ground them for 40 minutes outside barefoot, and then you take a look at their blood, all of a sudden, all of the blood cells are now separated. And it's because each blood cell basically has this quote unquote invisible halo of negative charge full of electrons. And when each one of them has a bunch of electrons around it, like charges will repel. So it's like trying to put two ends of a magnet together, two so of the same ends of a magnet together. You'll never let them touch. And that's the same thing with our red blood cells. They'll just kind of bounce off of each other. They'll be able to fill themselves up with oxygen and nutrients, and deliver those plus the electrons to our cells.
0: And we're talking so much about benefits to cardiovascular health because clumping of red blood cells is so much linked to clot formation, to thickening of the blood formation in the arteries, block formation. Uh, and simple tools. So tell me how do you ground yourself? Is it that we walk outside? Is it our, personally, I love to lie down on a wooden floor and just do shavasana for a while or play some guided meditation, anything we just makes me feel like I don't want to have anything under me. I just want it to be my body touching the ground. And you spoke about we always wearing shoes. An interesting fact is that most often I would resist if someone were to allow me or even tell me that it was fine to go outside and go for dinner without shoes. I would still do it. I just love the feeling of the ground under my feet. So, what are your favorite ways to bring grounding into daily life in a way? I mean, we don't want to just decide that one fine day we are going to ground ourselves, right? You're talking about sprinkling these things into daily life so that we're having per- perpetuating benefits as we move through our whole
1: life. Yeah. I call, I call these like, like my 2%, like what little 2% things am I doing every day? And they start to add up. Right. And so it's, it's way more beneficial to ground for three minutes every day. than like you said, once a month, three hours be outside barefoot because We're dealing with things at the particle level, the quantum level, and those have, when you're looking at the quantum level of, of the effect, it happens instantaneously. And so a little stimulus can provide a big benefit. Um, and so the way I love to do it is first thing in the morning and So I'm on Instagram and people really follow me for this quantum health stuff. And uh, one of the things I do every morning is I take a picture when I'm out at my sunrise because I see the sunrise every morning. And then I also take a picture of my bare feet touching the earth. It could be snowing. It could be raining. It could be a beautiful summer day. And it's just this recognition that even if I'm just out there for five minutes, it matters. And so I like to start my day with any amount amount of grounding and sunrise that I can get, whether it's 30 seconds to three hours. And then as the, if it's the middle of winter, I'll do little things like it might sound weird, but I'll be barefoot when I walk to the mailbox and back, or, you know, I'll be barefoot to, cause I forgot something in my car and, you know, it's cemented my garage. And so I'll, and th- that conducts, right? So, and so it's just like, okay, in the winter, I don't ground as much, but I still try to do it just periodically throughout the day. Cause I know it's just like a little recharge of electrons every time I do it. And then come spring, summer and fall, You can't catch me with shoes on, unless, like you said, unless the store says no shirt, no shoes, no service, right? Because, because I I absolutely love the feeling of being barefoot, and so do my kids. So you know, on a weekend when there's no school, we're in the middle of summer, we will just be barefoot outside playing. You know, you come in, you come out, no shoes, and uh, my even my son has learned to kind of do things barefoot in the front yard, like playing basketball. It's like okay, just whatever you can do barefoot will give you that benefit. And it's better to do it more frequently. I I call it consistency over perfection, consistently try to do it every single day, even if it's a short little bit, and you will make a difference in how those electrons are working inside of your body. I love that, uh,
0: Carrie. And, you know, I take my breakfast tray and my computer, even if I need to work, if I don't have calls, I go put that amidst the trees, I sit on the ground, and I'm leaning back against a tree trunk. Uh, and I work almost the whole day like that. But what about people who don't have access to nature, who, don't, who are not amidst uh, this luxury of being out among the trees? What can we do to ground us? within our own home or maybe within
1: an apartment you know there are technologies right and you have to make sure that your outlet is grounded first and so there's a company called ultimate longevity that uh they sell little grounding pads if you will that you can put your feet on or bare skin on uh and you and they also come with an outlet tester so you can test to make sure that your outlet does ground is grounded which basically just means it, it's pulling electrons in from the earth. Uh, and so that would be an alternative source. It couldn't be as simple as like, literally you can put a copper rod and a copper wire, like a copper rod, hammered into the earth. You can wrap a copper wire around it and literally hold onto the copper wire and that will conduct it because copper is a conducting metal. And so there's ways to do it. You can kind of quote unquote hack it. I'm not a big fan of the word hack, but you can hack it and, um, you can make sure that you're still getting those electrons, even if you're not, you know, surrounded by nature. Uh, the other thing to make note of though, is concrete does conduct wet concrete conducts too. So I wouldn't necessarily walk barefoot in New York city because of all of the other electrical charges and things that are there. It doesn't, it's not, not necessarily an ideal situation, but if you have like a little back patio or a little tiny area where it might not have a ton of grass, or I even tell people, bring, have rocks sit outside in natural light and then bring the rocks in because those rocks have been charged up with the sunlight and that sunlight then, and their own minerals, right? Which all hold electrons. So you can get electrons that way. Um, plants too, plants are another thing that that you can use to get electrons from grounding. So take them outside, pull them inside, or just have them in front of a window. And whenever you can, you know, connect with them, like you said, touching a tree, all of those things matter. And because they're little two percents, they, they will add up, right? They'll, t- they'll definitely start to compound. It's compounded interest. It'll add up over time. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, I'm doing a lot of things that really feel supportive for my body, but it doesn't feel like I'm putting in a ton of effort to do those things.
0: I also take my copper plate out, carry, and I put it in the sunlight on the grass. And then I go and take that hot plate before I have my lunch and I serve my food into that. Uh, there's something so beautiful about that for me. So even when I have a plate inside the house, I'll still walk outside and pick up the hot plate from the sun. And There's something very precious about that. But I'd love for us to spend a little bit of time talking about intermittent fasting and what is that doing to us, especially in the context of sleep, because there's so many opposing views. There's certain researchers saying that women shouldn't be practicing intermittent fasting. There are people who are in probably lots of different state of health jumping into intermittent fasting and finding themselves uh, having certain reactions which are not really supporting them very well. So what is the right way? How is it helping us? And what is the right way to ease into it?
1: I think that I, I want to preface that by saying, I think that everyone ultimately can intermittent fast, but it's, how do we get into it? And is my body able, able to, at the time, because I think obviously with, the human body, we wouldn't have been able to survive if we couldn't have gone through certain periods of food scarcity. And so we have it built into us that we can, that we can do it. Um, But when I start out, what, what happens with intermittent fasting is you are forcing your body basically to rely on internal fuel sources. And oftentimes because of how we've maybe been eating or living our lifestyle, we are not as good at tapping into body fat as a fuel source. Uh, And that, that fuel source is full of electrons. So you're talking about what is body fat, but potentially a storage depot of electrons. And we just have to, that I use intermittent fasting to help coach people's bodies to access those free stored electrons that they can use. Um, but because of elevated insulin levels or uh, leptin resistance and things like that, we're not able to access them as well. So there is using intermittent fasting to help lower insulin levels, to help lower insulin resistance. There's a ton of people doing that and doing it successfully, but I don't necessarily think someone can jump in from, not necess- from eating from when they wake up in the morning till having that midnight snack. And then all of a sudden they say they're gonna eat all their food within a four hour window. Um, there's shifts in electrolytes that can really uh, affect people. Some people find that they do better starting their morning off and having an early fueling window, I call it, as opposed to waiting all day long and then eating a big meal right before bed. Like, you know, so, so I think people have to play around with it. And whenever I have my clients start off, I tell them, eat within a 10 hour window. I mean, that's not true intermittent fasting. I mean, it, but it, it, it is right. And then go 14 hours without fuel and try to make those three hours before bedtime without fuel. Right. So that you're allowing your body then at night to not have to worry about assimilating nutrients and digesting food, but you can get into sleep, deep sleep when human growth hormone is elevated and repair your body and lower inflammation and reverse insulin resistance. And then, you know, the second half of sleep work on your memory and, and encoding all that. And so when, once people get comfortable with that, then they can shift it again. And I am a huge proponent now of shifting the window to making sure that you're eating somewhere between when when the light is brightest, right? So sunrise to maybe, you know, right now these days, I, I, I'm typically not hungry. Like I'm not hungry anymore after about 4 PM. So like sunrise to 4 PM, that's about an eight hour window of time. Um, there are days when it's a smaller window, there's days when, when the days are longer and it's a slightly bigger window, but I think that sort of an intermittent fasting style is accessible to most. It provides benefit. And what it's doing is when you're creating an earlier end to your meals, you're allowing your body to repair when you sleep. And that is where so much healing takes place. It's in those deep phases of sleep. I agree, Carrie.
0: And Ayurveda also speaks so much about not eating after sunset. And I always typically finish my dinner about 4.45 or Mm -hmm. 5.00. But the pushback that I've received sometimes from clients is you're killing my social life. Who's going to want to dine out with me at four o'clock or five o'clock? So how do we navigate those kind of challenges?
1: you know, if I do go out afterwards with friends or, you know, family or whatever, have a, even have a date, you know, with my husband, it's, it's this idea of, um, I can still go out and socialize. I'm the person who I ask for soda water. You know, I just, I, I like a sparkling water and, and, and I just want, I'm there for the company. You know, I'm typically not at whatever bar or restaurant to enjoy the, enjoy the meal, that that, the, the food that they're offering. I, I like making my own food at home. Um, and so I find that it's, it is a balance, but it's also me asking this question when I, when I say, I ask my clients to phrase it this way. I say, "Oh, you have to say that is not a priority for me. Good sleep is not a priority for me, or feeling better is not a priority for me." And when I phrase it that way, it's like, "Well, that doesn't feel. That doesn't sit right with me." So then I need to. I want to shift my behaviors. I want to shift how I operate because I do want to feel better. I do want to heal. I want to thrive. And so when we when we say, "Oh, instead of it's killing my social life," I have my clients say being healthy is not a priority for me. And it's just a different mindset. And then, you know, at some point you start, you do start to connect with other people who, who kind of get it, or they're interested in what you're doing. And then you become this beacon of information and potential help for other people who are saying, oh, okay, yeah, I I can get, I can get with that. And that sounds interesting to me. And then, you know, life is good.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think I just always schedule only lunches out. You'll never find me eating dinner outside. And I think we just have to pick a meal. I mean, it's as you said, it's all about the company. But on that note, I would love because you said I prepare my own food, and I know it's not fully relevant to our discussion of quantum biology. But I would love to know what is
1: what's generally on your plate. <laughs> I am. Um, I am big into. Uh, and this has only been the past couple of years, right? But I've really made a shift to eating locally and seasonally because from a quantum perspective, I view food as information for my environment. Like there's plants, it's a beautiful thing, but there's plants that grow when the sun is bright enough in my area that provide me with extra energy in my electrons. Cause those plants become electrons and those electrons have ultraviolet light in them and energetic light in them. Um, and they tell my body a message. And also there's certain plants that grow that have pigments that then help give me, you know, skin protection. Right? So it's like, as I become connected with my local environment, I'm recognizing Nate, what we eat is not necessarily about, it's not about calories, macros, uh, you know certain things that I used to focus on. Instead, it's about what information am I providing in my own body about my current location. So for me, in the winter, I won't. You're not going to catch me eating a banana or a pineapple or things like that in the middle of winter here. But you, and so you'll see me eating a lot more. Uh, I'll eat fish. I'll eat. I'll eat um, local eggs. There is a you know a farm nearby where we get raw milk from. So I'll do raw milk. Um, You know, I will eat more meat and organ meat and things like that in the winter. Uh, And I feel great. Like I don't want to eat. Um, I don't, I just, I I don't miss, I don't miss the fruit, but then come spring, literally in about a month or so, maybe a little longer, strawberries will be here. Right. And so then I shift. and It's like what's available. I will eat the dandelion greens as they come out. Right. Because that bitter taste, I think, is just so important for the liver function in the springtime. And so um, I really switch things up as they come. And I try to make at least 80 percent of what I consume really, truly in tune with my local environment.
0: I love it, Carrie. I mean, this is all the principles of so many ancient wisdom. And it's lovely to see that it's all coming back, backed by research, so people can truly understand what's behind them. And I know we're almost out of time. And I'd love for you to wrap this up, just telling us if you missed anything about quantum biology, is there anything specific to sleep that you could advise for people as a daily routine to navigate that area from sleeplessness to deep quality sleep?
1: Well, we talked a, about the light, right? And I do think that um, what I have found to be very beneficial is this idea that my eyes capture light. And it's when when ultraviolet A light is present, and there's apps you can find, like I use the circadian app to tell me when that is in my area. But right now, it's about an hour after sunrise. What I, what I know about ultraviolet A light is that when those photons get captured by my eyes, they take tryptophan and they make it uh, They make it into serotonin. And then when there's enough serotonin built up and then there's the signal that the day is ending and I'm blocking the artificial light and then I'm not turning it on, that serotonin then can become melatonin. So I tell people that good sleep starts with good morning sunlight, especially that ultraviolet A light when that appears because not only at sunrise am I setting my circadian rhythm, which should signal some fatigue at the appropriate time of the evening, But then also that ultraviolet A light is really helping me boost my serotonin. So I feel really good in the morning hours. And then I'm prepared to get into a really good quality sleep as the sun goes down.
0: You spoke about the circadian app and we had the founder of the app who's bastion we had him on an episode Mm -hmm. as well we had a lovely discussion thank you carrie and we have all our guests conclude our show mantra if sleep is the new medicine then how would you complete that for
1: us uh if sleep is the new medicine then i need to spend as much time in nature and outside as possible Lovely Carrie. And where can people
0: find you if they'd like to know more about your work? I know you spoke about Instagram and I'd love to go now and take a look at your videos or photos of your feet in the sand. <laughs>
1: um, so yeah, every every day you'll see on my stories at Carrie B Wellness. So Carrie B Wellness, you'll find me on Instagram. I have a YouTube channel. Um, I also have a website as well. So I do take select clients one-on-one. That's getting pretty booked up these days, but I I still love interacting with people that way. Um, And then also I, if you stay in touch with my newsletter, so sign up for my newsletter, because I offer courses in quantum health and quantum biology. Um, We're just going to be offering a circadian rhythm reset. So, I mean, there's things that if this is interesting to you, stay, stay in touch with me in some way, and you'll make sure, we'll make sure you get the information about how to apply this stuff with my help. Lovely, Gary. Pleasure having you here today. And uh, it was
0: a great conversation which just literally flew by. Um, So thanks
1: for your time and would love to see you again sometime. Thank you so much for this chat. I just loved chatting with you. It was lovely, lovely. And I really appreciate the message you're bringing to the world. So thank you, Deepa, and I'd love to chat with you again.
0: We heard Gary talk about quantum biology, red light therapy, Cold therapy and grounding. Ayurveda has three main principles, which are like attracts like, opposite brings balance, and eliminating the triggers of imbalance are the key to recovery. If we think about this, is cold therapy for everyone? Here's my take on this it is unique, however, there is no one fix for everyone. Our bodies, our health, And our sleep is continuously influenced by our own body constitution, the seasons, what's around us, our location and the state of the energies within us at this very moment in time. It's almost as if I have two different bodies in the winter and in the summer as I oscillate between a cold body and a hot body. If we were to juxtapose the principles of opposite brings balance, we need to have subtle mindfulness about the temperature within. When Vata is highly aggravated in the winter, for someone who is predominantly Vata, the subsequent increase in cold can be imbalanced initially or you might need to do it less frequently. This does not mean it will not offer you benefits but it's quite bio-individual. Grounding on the other hand can be something which is a great practice to start right away irrespective of body constitution, season and location. My suggestion is to lie on the ground, use a earpiece and play one of our guided meditations in the afternoon. Lying on a wooden floor is warm and balancing if you have that. It is a great practice to move the energy, get the blood flowing and improve cardiovascular health and sleep. Make a commitment this week to do this every afternoon and I'd love to hear what it did for you. Have a great day. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a qualified professional. Professional, please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional. It is in no way intended as medical advice or a treatment or cure for any condition. Be sure to always directly work with a qualified practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding. If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care especially when it comes to chronic health conditions. Be sure to subscribe to the Sleep Whisperer podcast on your favorite podcast app to get each episode as soon as it launches.